Quincy Jones go from the Quincy Jones show man this is another illustrious episode of the Quincy Jones show podcast and I am a uh, pleasure to come to you guys because of the fact that this is probably uh one of the more uh, better performances I've had picking predictions for a pay-per-view <laughs> but uh more on that in a little bit let's get into some much needed uh wrestling news I'm sure this is uh probably one of the hottest topics on the presses right now um Big Cass, uh, for those who may not have been in the know or maybe uh, just stick, you know, strictly stick to just WWE product or anything that's on, uh, you know, major television such as like, you know, MLW or uh, 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 Impact Wrestling and don't get a whole lot of news or don't have a real outlet for anything that happens outside like on the indies and stuff like that. Um, there was a Russell Pro show that was actually in its nature made to uh, honor uh, owner uh, Pat Buck, who uh, is going to be leaving the Russell Pro brand uh, because he officially has signed a contract with the WWE. He will be uh, signed on as a producer, I believe, for, uh, you know, as far as like matches and stuff like that, I, I believe as like an agent, uh, kind of like what the what Arn Anderson used to do and, you know, the Fit Finleys and the, uh, you know, the Pat Pattersons and all these people that, that you know, are backstage and helping out with some of the uh, – the uh you know planning out some of the matches for a lot of these uh athletes and stuff like that but um yeah so it was a russell pro show um uh, quite a few notable names that were supposed to be on the show as well scu were there uh joey janela was uh, scheduled to appear as well uh, but then there's also an appearance that was not advertised it was made to be a surprise and that was uh one big cas or aka big cas xl depending on who you know him as now um and the plan was he was supposed to be uh, appearing as a uh, non or non advertised, basically basically uh, a surprise entrant in a uh, battle royal match that they had planned for later that night. And it's being said that uh, uh, and, and there was a few different accounts of the story. There was the one you know the first account that everybody was saying that Big Cass uh, got arrested for threatening uh, you know basically threatening the whole locker room that he was going to kill them, uh, threatening that he was going to kill himself. Um, there was another story going around that it was uh, mostly, you know, surrounded, like the focus of the whole incident in itself was surrounded around Joey Janela. Uh, there was just so many different versions of this story. So I took what I could. I compared, you know, the, the most I could between these stories and, uh, you know, pretty much took out the commonalities that I could for sure say that this is uh, exactly, I don't want to say exactly, but I mean, for the most part, this is what is being corroborated as, as the actual story that happened. Um, I got most of my uh, confirmations reported through uh, mandatory or AKA wrestlezone.com. Um, but pretty much the account goes that, um, you know, Cash showed up for the event and was, you know, basically cordial with mostly everybody in the locker room. Um, it was being reported that there were several, uh times where big Cass would leave the locker room to go into his car uh they were saying that it was reported he made several different trips to his car back and forth 
uh, to the point that I guess where he actually ended up parking his car, he backed a few people in and, uh, you know, another report said that the car got towed. That, that, that doesn't, you know, it's not a factor here or there on what happens later in the story. But uh, it is being said that, there, you know, one report said that he was seen going back and forth from his car. Kind of suspicious activity unless you got a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, accuse or allege anything, but, you know, I've been one of those guys that when I'm at a club or a bar, that doesn't necessarily allow uh, certain recreational activities. In my case, it would be smoking marijuana. I definitely will uh, make it a point to try to see if I can go out to my car real quick, you know, get my little little fix, whatever you want to call it, and then go back, you know, resume to what I'm doing, hanging out with friends and whatnot. But um, so, again, that's just me. I'm not here to allege anything on Big Cast or anything like that. Uh, but, um, you know, after that, it was said that he came into the locker room uh, shortly after these trips to his vehicle, uh, pretty aggressive in, ma- in, in his manner, uh, in his approach, so to speak. Uh, it was said that he was, uh, you know, pretty much aggressive and in the face, um, confronting Joey Janela. And for those who may be sleeping under another rock next to the biggest rock that's right here, and you can't, uh, you can't teach that, uh, uh, pretty much. Joe Janela had gotten into an incident, I believe it was like about maybe two months ago, uh, with uh, Enzo Amore uh, at a Blink-182 concert. Uh, I actually posted the footage on, on my page uh, for a while. I believe it's still on the Facebook if you guys want to, I mean, it's up to you if you guys want to go back down that far. But yeah, there was an incident where supposedly, you know, and even that that whole incident was still not even squared squared away as far as what really happened, what was the motivation behind it and all that. They had gotten to some type of skirmish. Uh, you know, no, no punches were thrown, but it looked like they were going to get into a fight. Enzo took umbrage with some words that Joey Janela had said about him on Twitter. And I don't even know if they're recent tweets. They were just, you know, I guess one of those things where, you know, they're from the same town. They're both from Jersey, so it's like, you know, maybe it was one of those when I see you, I see you type of things. And I, I don't know. Anyways, so following uh, that incident again about two months ago, I'm guessing that's the motivation for why Big Cass wanted to, uh, you know, confront Janela at this event at Russell Pro, which was, again, this was last weekend. So it was being said he got aggressive with Joey Janela. There was quite a few reports that said he was slapped. Uh, Big Cass ended up slapping Joey Janela. I, I mean, again, that wasn't on every story that I read or every version of the story I was able to, to collect. Maybe about two or three of them out of probably the the, the seven to eight versions that I read. Um, so that part of it can't be corroborated. Uh, and even since then, uh, Joe Janela has came out uh, with his own uh, statement about the situation. And he didn't confirm if there was any type of physical exchange between the two. He just pretty much, you know, more or less confirmed that there was an incident that happened and just definitely hopes that, uh, you know, Cass uh, gets some help uh, for it, whether professionally, medically, whatever it was. Uh, but from there, you know, uh, I guess the confrontation got so bad, both parties had to be separated uh, between Joey Janela and Big Cass. Again, this is all allegedly. Uh, from there, they had to move Big Cass into another room to get him separated as he was, I guess, sky high with his emotions at the time. Um, and the room that they decided to move him in, uh, there was actually uh, Pat Buck himself uh, and then also members of SCU. Uh, SoCal Uncensored that were actually in the room 
Um, they were all there simultaneously. SCU were there putting together the, uh, their match that was uh, featured for later on the card. Uh, Pat Buck, I'm not too sure what the nature of him being there. I mean, he's the owner, so he can do whatever he wants. I mean, as far as I know, he probably was, you know, getting taped up for his match. Or if he had a match, I know, again, it was the night was made to honor uh, Pat Buck. Not too sure if he was participating physically or if it was just some type of ceremony. Um, but it was said then when Cass was uh, then moved to that room, um, he was getting a little bit aggressive with, you know, SCU as well as um, Pat Buck as well. Uh, I guess he was uh, making claims that there was people in the locker room that he was just in that were that stole his gear, his ring gear. Um, because like, I, and that's the thing. The one common thing that that, that he kept, that, that the reports kept saying were were missing in uh you know in specifics were, I guess a sweater that he actually worn uh you know to the you know as he walked into the building he he so this must have been like a, a sweater he personally it's part of his it's it's I mean not to say all all his attire isn't his but you know what I mean like this is street clothes you know what I mean so not necessarily anything that like. It's, uh, you know, wrestling related, you know what I mean? As far as like, you know, entrance attire or anything like that. Um, so yeah, he was making claims that, uh, his sweater went missing and was basically accusing the locker room of being behind, uh, you know, basically playing a rib on him or they're just stealing his clothes just to, you know, get, get them all riled up, whatever, which, I mean, if you guys have followed some of the, the, the chapters in the saga of uh, Big Cass, even all the way uh, up to, um, you know, back in his WWE days when there was uh, stories going around, uh, you know, basically he was accusing several members of the WWE locker room of playing ribs on him. Uh, I believe he was on a, um, a, I think it was one of the European trips because they were on uh, one of those group tour, uh, the, 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 the buses. And he decided to use the bathroom on the bus and it, the the from what i read the door of the bathroom legitimately was defective like something happened where either the knob broke off or something where in that instant it decided to to <laughs> to defect uh big cast was under the impression that the the other members of the wwe locker room on the bus were uh playing a joke on him and i guess he is a little claustrophobic and decided to destroy the bathroom and tore down the door. So I say all that to say and backtrack to say that, you know, to hear that he's also accusing uh, other, you know, another locker room of stealing his stuff. This seems to be within the same vein of his, you know, his uh, past behavior and everything like that. Um, you know, I don't want to say he's paranoid, but it seems like a little bit of paranoia accompanied with that. Um, but it's said that he then got into the face of Pat Buck himself and literally asked him what are you gonna do about a tough guy something along those lines and actually spat in the face of pat buck pat buck of course uh who you know he feels quote that you know he had no choice and, and no other resolution his back was against the wall he ducked him he uh he chose he threw a punch and took down a uh, big cast with the one punch um and then the course you know i don't say chaos ensued but more people had to come in and try to calm down that situation now um but the weird thing it's being said that i guess like you know after Cass got uh punched by bad buck that his demeanor changed uh that it was more like he was more i don't say lost but he was confused like trying to make sense of why he was attacked by pat in the first place 
almost like he didn't even understand, like that, or he had no recollection of what he just did as far as provoking him or you know spitting on him or even the words he just said. I mean, I don't, I don't know how far, you know, the recollection or non-recollection of events leading up to that actual punch goes as far as what he remembers and what he doesn't. But that's one of the commonalities. I'd say about six out of eight of those uh, stories I read all said the same thing about how he was kind of kind of out of it, kind of uh, confused as to figure out why he was getting punched in the first place, which, I mean, it's that's kind of it's kind of weird business, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, it was also said from there that, you know, they removed him from the building. So, of course, that means he was uh, no longer going to be participating in the Russell Pro Show. Uh, but then it was also reported by several fans who saw Cass, who he was still in the parking lot. He, he you know, he was, you know, he had to leave the building, but he was still in the parking lot. Uh, he refused to leave the parking lot, and a lot of fans were saying that he could be uh, overheard basically threatening, uh, making statements that were basically threatening his own life. Um, again, you know, from the jump, everybody was saying that, oh, he got arrested for, for you know, uh, threatening uh, the life of Joe Janela in the, the locker room, basically saying that he was going to kill everybody in the locker room who didn't, you know, that, that was behind stealing his sweater. Uh, he was gonna kill. I mean, it was just all this outrageous stuff. Um, I'm glad I did the necessary research and did the cross examination between the stories to figure out, you know, I guess some of the the details that needed to be hammered down to kind of figure out what the hell really happened with the story. Um, what really happened with Cass is, I believe the the police were called uh, to the arena or the venue, and uh, while he was not taken uh, under custody or was was uh, you know taken under arrest. He actually, I believe, was talking it out with the authorities for a while, which, again, I, I, it seems to be substantiated that he was making some pretty state, uh, you know, some statements that were pretty threatening uh, against his own self and his own well-being that they felt necessary to bring the ambulance and the uh, medical, uh, you know, authorities out there to get him checked out for, again, for his own well-being, whether it's physical, mental, all that under the sun. Uh, real unfortunate because, uh, you know, it seemed like he was turning his life around, um, not to say that he still isn't. But definitely one hell of a backtrack. Um, I mean, for those that may have watched it or may not have watched it, uh, you know, he's been dealing with some depression, um, he being a big cast. And um, I know he actually linked up with DDP for a little bit, who was helping him out, trying to get out of this uh, this rut. Um, you know, there was also reports, I believe it was earlier this year, he was a part of a uh, House of Hardcore um, show, you know, booked for the, the Time Dreamer uh, promotion, which he ended up... Uh, suffered a uh severe seizure and um you know obviously that was probably one of the first of uh you know the the few health scares that we were hearing about uh big cast at all so um i don't know man i'm hoping that uh, everything's gonna be okay for the guy i mean uh you know i don't hate <laughs> i mean first of all i've been a big fan of enzo and big cast when they first started on the main uh, on the nxt roster and was excited when they made it to the main roster but um not to say I'm not supportive of what they want to do, you know, after WWE, post-WWE, you know what I mean? I know a lot of people kind of just fell off as far as the support wagon and all that. And I get it. I totally get it. You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to support somebody when you can't really, like, follow them and see what they're up to. Um, I mean, with them doing the indies, not a lot of it is going to be televised or documented all the time. But we are in a new age. You know, there's smartphones everywhere, so you'll be able to catch up. But, uh, I mean, aside from all that, you know, Big Cash, the person, you know what I mean? I definitely hope... Uh, you know, he, he does what he has to do or deems necessary to try to get, uh, whatever it is, uh, if anything, you know, um, under control, you know, and, um, on that note, he actually has, uh, since then, uh, released a statement and I got this from 
the Instagram of real one, Enzo Amare, who passed this on. It says, a letter from my best friend at the Kaz XL. And it goes on to say, I have been very honest with my past struggles, and it has been an ongoing battle. On Saturday night, I obviously let my demons get the better of me, and I ruined an important night for a really great guy in an unfortunate series of events. I have worked incredibly hard to get to where I am and even harder to overcome my ongoing battle with depression. But I will work my absolute hardest to right the wrongs of Saturday night and apologize to Kevin Matthews, Pat Buck, Joey Janela, the entire WrestlePro locker room, and all parties involved from the bottom of my heart. I'm getting help from family and friends as we speak and will be getting professional help in the near future and ask all to please respect my privacy in the meantime. When and if I reemerge as a public figure, it will be in good faith, and I hope to inspire those who struggle with the same mental health issues I do to seek the help that they need. If Tyson Fury can do it, so can I. Remember, I ain't dead yet, and neither are you. Peace and love, William Patrick Morrissey III. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to, again, attempt to uh, speak for the man, but, you know, uh, good to hear that he actually is uh, acknowledging um, the incident and acknowledging uh, the participation you know, of his in the incident. And, um, you know, again, you know, he doesn't necessarily owe a full on like detailed explanation to anybody. I mean, you know, if this has something to do with his mental health, which it seems like as he's mentioning it here quite a few times, then, you know, he has to do what he has to do to get himself better, you know, he has to do what he has to do for, for himself to feel like himself again. You know what I mean? So, um, and I say that to say, cause I saw a bunch of people shitting on him this weekend uh, or last weekend, I should say. And I get it, you know, from the headlines, it's hard to differentiate what's really going on from what really happened. And, and, you know, trying to separate the people from the actions and, you know, a lot of people, I mean, to this day, people are still giving Enzo Amore crap for, you know, the rape allegations, despite being, you know, uh, you know, not being charged for it and all this stuff. And, you know, and just because you support somebody doesn't mean that you support, you know, any of the bad decisions they make. You know what I mean? I mean, supporting someone even goes to the point of wanting, uh, you know, better for them as well. You know what I mean? So anyways, let's say that to say again, um, just updating you guys on the Kaz, uh, uh, you know, incident from the uh, the Russell Pro situation this past weekend for those that may have missed it and then also to update you guys on the statement with Kaz himself uh, moving on man uh, this is pretty important as well for those that uh, may have seen Clash of Champions which I hope you did because you know I'm about to do a little bit of fallout and gloating man um, <laughs> but uh, there was an incident that was I mean it set the social media world on fire by the end of the night Um there was an individual that was sitting in the the front row uh, that was probably, I mean, w- when you're looking at it from from the ring uh, view, they're literally sitting uh, right across, or right in front of, I should say, of where the uh, the ring steps are. Um, if you were to walk down the entrance ramp and make a little slight left of that corner and then you go up, that little corner right there, that that's where this individual was. Now, for those that watched the match between uh, Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch versus, uh, you know, challenger Sasha Banks, um, then you guys know that the match ended up in a a no contest DQ, uh, or I should say a DQ win for uh, Sasha, but, you know, the the match is pretty much just thrown out. They uh, went all over the ring or all over the arena, and there was a a moment where they were, uh, you know, uh, Becky and Sasha were going, you know, making their way back over the barricade back towards the ring. Uh, from the crowd or the audience area, 
And this audience member that was in that same corner that I was just talking about over by the stairs, he can be seen obscenely trying to, and not even like trying to hide the fact. I mean, I don't know how you hide the fact when you're in a freaking, you know, arena full of tens of thousands of people and there's cameras on you, uh, especially on hard camera side, right? But he is attempting to, I don't want to say grab, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not him. I mean, but he is obvious. He is trying to inappropriately touch Sasha Banks on her backside area. There's been several memes about it, several pictures about it. There's been several outrage about it as well. Probably more outrage than anything. Um, and, you know, it obviously sparked up a, a discussion, a much needed discussion, because there's been other incidents this past year uh, that, you know, involved fans getting a little bit too involved and a little bit too entitled to what their price of admission for that ticket comes with. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. It's, it's just really... Uh, I, I don't know, but I, I do applaud uh, WWE trying to uh, get in front of this, take steps, the necessary steps that they should take, especially when it comes to uh, protecting their uh, their women talent uh, against things like this and, and potential attacks like this. You know what I mean? Um, so right now, from what I, I read, it seems that the WWE is uh, they're already fired off their own internal investigation, trying to figure out who this kid is. Sasha Banks has already gone on record, and I don't know if this is just her in character trying to stay in tune with the Hill stuff, but she made it a point to say that she's going to sue the kid that, that tried to do it. Uh, again, I mean, it's kind of hard to, to ignore the fact because that that clip went viral. I mean, even if it's just the picture, I saw the picture more than anything, and then there was a few gifts going out there, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous, man. I mean, come on, dude. Like, you're... <laughs> Come on, like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, 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 it's one of those guys, like the bad apple that makes the whole bunch spoil, right? That that's that's what it is, and I, I believe I've made the same comparison before. When it, I mean, because there was uh, again several different incidents, but they're all different and circumstantial, right? There was an incident, I believe, in ROH that uh, involved the uh, I won't say that they're called the I believe they're still called the Allure, um, the beautiful people with Mandy Leon. Uh, you know, there was that incident with a fan where you know Bully Ray made it a point to go and. Uh, you know, some would say tune up, but, you know, just he went to intimidate the guy. Uh, there was another incident where uh, I, I can't remember. I, I think it was either Tessa Blanchard. I can't remember who it was. It was either Tessa Blanchard. No, I believe it was Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie got improperly touched at an in, in Impact Wrestling event as well. There was another attempt. on. I want to say it was either Tessa or somebody. I can't remember who it was, but there you could see that there was an attempt. There was some sleazy looking guy. Uh, in the front row with the sleazy looking freaking smug look on his face. And it's like, come on, bro. And it's grown, man. You probably, you know, probably someone's uncle, someone's freaking dad, someone's, bro- you know what I mean? Like, it's just, oh, come on, man. I get it. You know, we're men, you know, we got testosterone and we got, you know, add a little bit of beer in, in, in that situation. And, you know, yeah, surrounded by pretty, pretty, you know, women, but it's like, come on, man, like, you know, don't, don't be that guy, don't, and, 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 and don't get it twisted, be saying all that, you know, the, the little, the little messed up <laughs> freaking uh, uh, chemistry problem with testosterone added with alcohol equals, you know, the, no, that's not open access to anything, I don't want anyone to misconstrue <laughs> any of that, I'm just saying, as a guy, I know how it is, you know, when you're surrounded by great looking women, and they're being physical, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, this is, this could be cool, and then you add the element of alcohol, which, you know, mind you, calms down or almost eliminates all inhibition so it's like you know any any little voice in the back of your head that would have told you no this isn't the way to go don't do this is somehow <laughs> it's not non-existent because alcohol decided to show up but again not not ex- excusing any any behavior i'm just saying it's about time 
you know, the global giant, quote unquote, in WWE address this stuff because it's not like it can't happen there. It's not like it hasn't happened there already. There's probably some incidents that they've chose to keep, uh, keep quiet because they weren't as highly publicized. Uh, but, you know, I, again, I do commend them for trying to get ahead of this. And it seems like they're trying to institute now a, uh, a lifetime ban as the uh, overall punishment for any fan that feels that or, or any fan that they feel is going to be acting inappropriate or has uh, acted inappropriately to any of their talent. And I'm, I'm hoping that that stretches to, you know, not just on screen, uh, you know, talent and personality, but even to say, like, you know, some guy pushes a cameraman or something stupid like that. You know, uh, these guys got to get protected because, again, these are entertainers, they're performers, and they're putting on the show for us as entertainment. So it's like, come on, man. Like, it's not like you can go. And go watch the Avengers and go freaking grab, you know, Black Widow's ass and, and expect to, like, get cheered for it. Like, no, dude. Like, it's not it's not that kind of game, bro. Like, you need to you need to have just respect for the art, respect for the amount of time that's being put in to, uh, you know, entertain you. Especially, you. Pay, this is what you paid for, man. If you want to go and do that, go go to a freaking, uh, freaking titty bar. Go, go to a strip club, man. Like, go, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just there's there's places for people like you. Go there. Go with that. That's where you go. Need to spend your money. Leave the wrestling to us. And and again, I'm not gonna, you know, ignore the fact that there's, you know, an element of uh, of uh, sexuality to wrestling because sex sells. That's how you you, you uh, gain viewers of the male. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the male demographic is as you know, especially growing boys from. You know, 14 to 21, it's, it, dude, I, I understand the game. You know what I mean? I understand the game. I understand why they got to do what they got to do. But, again, dude, like, just don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. And if you are going to be that guy, you deserve to get banned for a lifetime. I don't ever want to see you at any of the events I'm going to be at. That's just how I feel about it, man. Uh, moving on towards uh, more wrestling news. Um, all I could say is uh, there's a few updates here. Uh, I believe I read that Jinder Mahal is uh, – and, and this is crazy. I didn't actually realize that – he was out as well. He's been out with an injury. Must have been uh, must have been that that uh that loss he took on the airplane. <laughs> to our truth, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, Jinder Mahal has been out for for some time uh, with the injury. He's uh training to come back soon. Uh, we can uh actually confirm that both Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre are uh pretty close to coming back. Um, I believe Drew McIntyre. Uh, it was reported that he could have. Returned on Monday. Uh, that's how ready he is. So, uh, which is awesome because you know last week we had uh, reported that there was news that he actually was taken off TV to handle this minor injury, whichever it was. Um, you know, and I said there was no timetable, and then a week later we got a timetable for him. So, uh, good to hear that. Uh, you know, Drew's uh, back on track as well as Bobby Lashley. Um, but yeah, man, let's get into a little bit quick <laughs> review and fallout of Clash of Champions. First and foremost. Mo2 Podcast, Master of the Universe, 3D Beats. I'm talking to you, fam. I might need a crack at that Predictions Championship belt. I'm just saying. 9 out of 11. I don't know if anyone did 9 out of 11 over there, but I did 9 out of 11. And I, I need I need my chips with dip. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, yeah, wants to be with me. Just had to throw it back. <laughs> throw it back. Shout out to 3D Beats and everyone at the Moti Podcast, man. Give them a follow right now. But um, yeah, man, eleven matches and I got nine out of eleven right. Let's run it down, man. Uh, still cruiserweight champion, your boy Gabba Gulak, Drew Gulak. Again, I mean, I, I opted for this match. I thought this match should have been a fatal four way uh, just to spice things up, only because of the fact that Drew Gulak has already ran through the triple threat. 
uh, once before. That's actually how he won the title, and that was at, uh, back at Stomping Grounds. I believe that was against Tony Nese. Um, man, who else was that in that? Oh, and Akira Tozawa. So, I mean, I just thought it could have added a little bit more firepower. But, you know, at the same time, it was kind of like a uh, kind of like a uh, a farewell tour for 205 because uh, now they are officially part of the NXT brand. So, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at, at the, the match they had, especially with the three competitors they had. Um, you know, Humberto Carrillo looked great. Uh, you know, uh, Lince Dorado, he was looking good as well. I mean, a lot of people forget. You know, Lindsay was he, he was a, a pretty a pretty good force in the CWC, uh, you know, the first one. Um, and, you know, ever since they, they've kind of put him with the Lucha House Party, you haven't been able to see a whole lot of, you know, he, he does have singles matches, but, you know, it's, you know, he's one of three, you know what I mean? But when, you know, he can get the job done in a lot of his matches, definitely dynamic with his uh, offense as well. Love that uh, handspring stunner he does. But, uh, yeah, man, it was Gabagulak with the win and uh, the retain of the Cruiserweight Championship. We have to see how this uh, affects the roster going forward, especially with NXT. And uh, we're going to be covering that as well after the break. But um, moving on, man, I was surprised by this. We had AJ Styles on the pre-show defending the United States Championship against uh, North Carolina's own uh, hometown uh, Cedric Alexander. Um, I dug the old school look with the Charlotte Hornets colors. Um, you know, I thought maybe they were gonna make Cedric look a little better than this. I mean, look, the match started out explosive. You know, out the gate, Mishinoku driver, awesome. Um, but you know, I don't know. I've been hearing some 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 rumors about this. Um, and I guess I should have covered this before. <laughs> it would have been a great segue. But I hear that while Paul Heyman is very intrigued and interested in trying to build up and uh, promote, push, whatever you want to call it, uh, Cedric Alexander, that Vince is not, like, he's just as opposite against it. I have no idea why. I have, And from what I've been reading and trying to, uh, you know, research, there isn't an underlining, like, an actual distinct reason why. But, you know, I, I've actually seen reports go as far as to say that Vince wants to bury Cedric. Um, that's how against the idea about it he is, which it's, it's weird to me because it's like, as, as, you know, someone like Vince McMahon, why would you want to purposely bury someone that you're paying money to? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're paying them to get, I don't understand. Like, it's like, so when the contract runs out, you know, it's, it's kind of jacked up because if they don't want to say, if Cedric doesn't want to resign, he wants to go somewhere else. Then it's like, if he's been burying that whole entirety of his contract, then it's like his stock has drastically went down. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's kind of, it's, to me, it's, first of all, it's bad business. You know what I mean? You're not, like, you're not going to have, like, a, uh, you know, on a basketball team, you're not going to purposely bench somebody when you know that they can contribute. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know, it's crazy. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is just, you know, Vince just being Vince, uh, which, the, you know, as vague as that, uh, uh, you know, explanation is, that kind of, everyone knows what I mean. Um, but, uh, you know, basically, he, he he he'll he'll just be against something just to be against something, you know. Maybe he he's feeling some sort of power challenge or struggle with with Heyman, and Heyman wanted to go so far to put so much fire underneath him. I I don't know what it is, but I, I mean I'm hoping that that's not the case. 
Um, but, you know, judging, you know, back-to-back Sunday, uh, his loss to AJ Styles on Sunday uh, on the Clash of Champions, and then based on the, the six-man tag where he pretty much ate the pin and got his ass whooped post-match during Raw. Again, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, <laughs> we, we're going to cover that after the break, so let me not get too ahead of myself. But, I mean, it seems like there's some sort of power struggle going on behind what direction they want to put Cedric Alexander in, but he did not win this match. AJ Styles retained the United States Championship. And there was a little bit of a post-match beatdown. Uh, from there, we get into the first match of the show, uh, which I believe is... Let me double-check here. Uh, Seth Rollins... Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I, I thought it was the Raw Championships. We had Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman, reigning Raw Tag Team Champions, taking on the new team of Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Excuse me, Robert Roode, um, a.k.a. <laughs> Rudolph. God, I can't take credit for that. Uh, I, I heard that, I believe, on uh, the Edge and Christian podcast. But whatever fan came up with that, that's that's hilarious. That's genius. Um, I was right about this. I was right. Um, again, on the Moti podcast, I just felt like I don't know why they were going to give so much uh, push to these two singles guys and so much focus and spotlight on them as this new tag team and, and how they have to uh, build themselves as a new tag team and trust each other and be, you know, not be two single stars, but actually become an actual unit and, and, and uh, not just a unit, but a well-functioning unit together uh, with this, you know, once in a, a lifetime career opportunity. Um, I just felt like that was the direction they were going to go. I mean, to be honest, I never really like when Seth and Braun won the championships, I didn't exactly take it serious as far as like okay there's longevity in this tag team title reign um again because they're not really a team but then you know <laughs> Dolph and robert aren't really a team but they are definitely going extra you know going through the extra uh uh lengths to to make it seem like they are you know they even gave them some uh some time for a promo so um but you know what i'm not mad at this win um it's something new it's something different uh you know dolph we've seen he was a raw tech and champion earlier this year with drew mcintyre uh and you know they keep harping about it but you know bobby Roode being an obvious tag team guy for the majority of his career or you know i'm like dude just say that he was part of beer money and uh they reigned supreme in impact wrestling that's totally fine dude <laughs> or or i'm sorry tna let's use tna so it's fine we, we get what you're saying but it's hella vague, Corey. It's hella vague. Uh, from there on, we go straight into the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match. And uh, I lost on this one. This is the first one I got wrong. And I was actually disappointed in this match. Um, I, I mean, look, I won't e- even, like, pretend I'm the biggest Bayley supporter or fan. Um, I'm glad that she's current champion. I felt like that she needed something to help solidify herself as uh, just just herself in the women's division, to, like just all around, right? And you know, I just figured Charlotte was going to win this one. It's been a while since we've seen her, and it's been a while since she's been on top. I think maybe a few months now, but um, I don't know, man. Like this match was like what? Maybe not even a minute long. Maybe two minutes long. It was weird. Uh. We just, you know, Bailey just, <laughs> I mean, look, Bailey smashed Charlotte's face onto the exposed uh, turnbuckle in the corner and rolled her up for a pin, grabbed her belt, and hightailed it out of there. Um, I don't know what this was supposed to do. Um, 
I understand that they're trying to change a little bit of the characteristics of the Bailey character to uh, pretty much accentuate and compliment Sasha right now. Obviously, you know, she's like everyone was calling for murder when Bailey wasn't immediately, you know, dyed her hair black, uh, took out the ponytail and went, you know, totally dark colored and, and, you know, with her attire and with a whole new freaking theme song. Everybody was all up in arms, right? But I was like, well, you can't just turn a character like Bailey like that into a complete, like, heel the next day. Like, that's, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, I mean, it does for some people, but with someone like her, it's a little bit different. And then, I don't know, man, like, down to the fact that she had the the the, the tights that said, like, role model on it, which was, I thought it was kind of snarky. Uh, you know, it, you know, it just, it was kind of showing of how she's going to be, you know, and, she, you know, that go home uh smackdown she was even saying i'm a role model it's just, i'm trying to show your your children how to be a good friend and stuff like and i i get all that and i dig it but i don't know if changing her match style so drastically in that short of a time is what's gonna gain heat like i don't know i don't know but uh i mean i guess when you when you're in charlotte's hometown and uh you want to you know you beat her quick and you run out the ring like a chicken shit heel i guess that's how you get heat but then again, does that make Charlotte, a, is she starting to become face? Is she starting to become face? Some people were cheering her uh, when she came out on Raw. Some, we'll figure it out. I don't know, man. It's uh, pretty interesting, but that that win for Bailey was weird. I, I, that's all I got to say. It was just really weird. It seemed super rushed. I don't know if they were like, you know, uh, maybe pressed for time or what, but yeah, she got the hell out of Dodge, man. Um, and then from there... We had the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. It was the New Day defending against my boys, your boys, the Revival. And I told you, man, I look, this this is a pro-top guy podcast. I, and, and look, I, I know you guys were, were rooting for the Revival as hard as I was because they won. And I know they don't just win with, you know, the first of all, they're, they're, they're great. They're, they, they know how to get shit done in the ring. But, you know, add my support and your guys' support and we, I mean, we knew this was coming. This was going to come to fruition, and it happened, man. Not only are they the new SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, but they are the first team in WWE history to hold the NXT Champion, the Tag Team Championships, the Raw Tag Team Championships, and SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So, top guys making top history. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, and you know, WWE is the place for uh, all these historical firsts. So, you know. Even though it gets annoying and a little uh, <laughs> a little pretentious sometimes, I'm you know it's good to see uh, some of my guys getting some of this shine. But uh, in the same vein of tag team wrestling, we go on to see Alexis Bliss and Nikki Cross defending their women's tag team championship against Fire and Desire, and I was right about this one as well. Alexa and Nikki prevail. Uh, they should just call each other Twisted Bliss. I mean, it should just be Twisted. I know that's that's uh, you know Alexis. Uh, Finish name, but I mean, you got the Twisted Sister, then you got Alexa Bliss, so it's like, might as well just call each other Twisted Bliss. I, 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 you know, whatever. They got the shirt going. It's looking good. Sounds great. It's all good, kid. <laughs> but uh, this match was really good. Um, I think that uh, Nikki and Alexa are doing a good job trying to revive the uh, attention and focus on the women's tag team uh, division. I know this is going to be an uphill battle, but. Um, you know, you got two teams in Fire and Desire, and you got the, uh, you know, Twisted Twisted Bliss. And the crowd is really into Twisted Bliss right now. But at the same time, obviously, the crowd's into Mandy. And uh, a lot of people, or, or a lot of wrestling fans, I should say, 
are interested in seeing Fire and Desire in that tag team spot, uh, surprisingly to me. Um, I Look, I'm a fan of Sonya and Mandy individually for different reasons, but them as a team, I don't know. I was never really sold on them as a team. Um, like, it's weird because when you look on paper, like Sonya and Mandy kind of like have like the difference in styles and characters almost the same as like, you know, Alexa and Nikki. Uh, but Alexa and Nikki, I feel like we're able to mesh it more well in a, in, in a, a quicker time period. And I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I may be one of the minority in this, but I'm not to say I'm not a fan of Fire and Desire, but I'm not a fan of the name. <laughs> I will tell you that. The name I'm not a fan of. But them as a team, I think they uh, they can get better. I am a little bit more of a fan of Sonya Deville than I am Mandy, um, though Mandy has obviously impressed and gotten better in the ring ever since her time and Tough Enough. Uh, but yeah. Twisted Bliss make uh, the retain, or they, they retain the, the championship. So as we move on, we have Shinsuke Nakamura finally on the main show of a pay-per-view instead of the uh, pre-show, as he is the current IC champion taking on The Miz. The Miz, of course, wanting to shut up Shinsuke. Uh, I guess, you know, if you shut up Shinsuke, then I mean Sami Zayn will shut up, but I doubt it anytime soon. But, you know, shout out to Sammy not having to take an L, <laughs> you know, with him being a, uh, uh, you know, a mouthpiece. He doesn't have to be in the ring to take uh, losses right now. So that that's always a good thing for uh, Sammy Zayn's stock. But uh, we did get a pretty good match between The Miz and Shinsuke Nakamura. I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing uh, Shinsuke working on a pay-per-view again, uh, bringing some, again, much-needed attention and focus on the IC Championship because, I don't know, man, it seems like, Anytime they put a, a mid-card championship on Shinsuke, it just disappears. Like, the first time it was the United States Championship. He had a whole photo shoot with the championship, but didn't even see the shit. Uh, it was like he almost never defended it in the United States. It was ridiculous. Uh, and then, you know, the, the IC title. I mean, he, he won the, uh, the IC championship from Finn, what, like, I want to say either before WrestleMania? And we just, like, don't see that many title defenses, not even on TV. Like, it's crazy. But we finally got a title defense against The Miz, especially against a guy like The Miz who helped revive that championship 100%. He was looking to uh, put a staple into his ninth uh, IC Championship title run to try to tie and <coughs> erase Chris Jericho from the record books. But it was all for naught as Shinsuke and the Kinshasa told him otherwise, and it was awesome. It was great to see. It was a great win for uh, Shinsuke, and honestly, I am uh, just want to see what they're going to do in the future. I'm not so much a fan of Sammy being his mouthpiece, but I'm a fan of Sammy, period. So if we're going to push two guys that haven't been, you know, they've both been kind of getting the shit out of the stick lately when it comes to uh, uh, booking and storylines and all that stuff. So if we're going to push, is, is, is this a twofer? Is this, is this a two-for-one deal? I'm all for it, man, I, I'm, especially if they're all going to come out looking better on the other side. I definitely don't have any complaints about this. Uh, moving on, we got uh, the the man, Becky Lynch, versus the boss, Sasha Banks, for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, I thought this was actually probably the the, the better finish that they could have done. Um, I think that the man still has some miles in her with the championship, especially because, you know, how is it going to look when you got one of the faces – on the, the new video game coming out, and she's losing the title before it comes out. You obviously want her to look as strong as she can while, you know, she got to do all the promos and all the, you know, the media runs and all that, the media scrounges and all that stuff for the WWE 2K video game when it drops. So, I mean, I, I felt like, you know, and, and it sounds stupid. I know it does, but it's, it's hard to not 
acknowledge outside factors and into some of their decision making that's inside the ring. Um, because again, they're a public traded company, so they do have to do certain things for marketing uh, situations. I.e., we'll talk about Brock Lesnar versus Kofi after the break. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, and, and then but then you got Sasha Banks, who's you know got this this steam building. You know, she she returned. Got to make a good name for herself. She's been talking that talk, and but she can't win. But then you can't have her lose. So you know what do you do? You 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 have her win via DQ, and then you just have these women beat the hell out of each other all over the ring. Again, there was that unfortunate fan incident that had to you know. But kudos to Sasha. You know she kept it professional. Everybody was still in the professional uh, vein of things. Um, I, I mean, to be honest, it would have been hilarious if she would have just, like, got on the other side of that barricade and nailed that guy. I mean, nobody would have been mad at her at all. But um, And, and it would have been all on camera, so it's like, you know, hey, self-defense. You know what I mean? There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, um, I felt like this was probably the best, the better finish that they could have came up with for this. Obviously laid more uh, seeds for what we all assumed was going to be a Hell in a Cell match between Becky Lynch and... And Sasha Banks, which is what's going to happen. So I'm definitely excited for that in the future. And technically, even though Sasha didn't win the championship, she won the match. So I'm still in the game, baby. Again, I'm only down one. I'm only down one, and that was Charlotte. And then we get into my next, <laughs> my next, uh, 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 you know, line in the 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 minus column. Kofi Kingston, WWE champion. Uh, defending against Randy Orton, WWE uh, Championship on the line. I, you know, I just, I made the forecast that our, you know, FTRKO, we're going to reign supreme on this. Uh, felt like Randy would have been a good name as champion once, uh, you know, SmackDown moves to Fox. Um, not to take anything away from Kofi at all. Not, and that's the thing. A lot of people have been taking my prediction for Randy being the champ to take the title from Kofi as an indication that I am not a fan of Kofi or his title reign, or just the history that he made surrounding the fact that he he was, you know, the first African-American champion. I, I, look, I, I have all the, you know, I'm proud, uh, you know, all the honor, all that stuff. I felt that. I, everything, all that, I, I, I do feel that. All the pride and all that, 100%. But that is not going to cloud my judgment as to, you know, what's going on in wrestling and i mean yeah do so like just because he's he's you know i happen to be black and i'm a wrestling fan and he's black and he's a wrestler and he happens to be wwe champion i'm gonna want him to be champ for the for the next 20 years no that's not what i want that's not what i want at all i want you know a change i want variety i want people who deserve it to get what they they, they deserve you know kofi has reached for the the brass ring and above he's been uh, having a great run for like the last six months so i just figured it was maybe a little bit time for a change of scenery, but again, it had nothing to do with uh, Kofi. It was not a knock on Kofi at all. But uh, I, this match, I love this match. This match that they had was to be completely brutally honest, way better than the match they had at SummerSlam. Um, if this is the match they had at SummerSlam, I wouldn't have been as you know kind of mad or disappointed at the way. I mean, again, that DQ finish to me was trash, especially because. If that's the way you were going to go, Randy could have done a little bit more to piss off Kofi Kingston. All he did was look at his family. I mean, but that's – they didn't really emphasize it too much. You know, they, they made a, a, a comment on it, but to me that's not – I mean, if he would have said something or called them stupid, if he would have, like, yelled the stupid thing to, to his kids or his wife or something, okay, cool, I get that. But 
that's not what was done. It was done real minimally. It was not portrayed, or you didn't come off as good as as far as me, in my opinion, as a fan. They could have they could have illustrated a little bit more. They could have done a little bit more to to make it a little bit more uh, logically satisfying. You know what I mean? But this match, great match. I wasn't even mad that I mean I was mad that Randy lost because I wanted the you know I wanted to get that perfect or near perfect score. But you know, served me my second loss of the night in my predictions battle, and Kofi Kingston came out on top. And uh, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. And uh, I was interested to see where they go from there. I thought maybe him and Randy in the in the Hell in a Cell. But uh, obviously, we'll be getting more on that uh, as far as the future of the WWE Champion and the Championship in Kofi Kingston uh, after the break. Uh, as we get into the last two matches of the night, we had Roman Reigns against Eric Rowan. And this match was what I thought it was going to be, was exactly how I predicted it to be. Um, it was everywhere. It was in your face. It was, you know, impactful. It was hard hitting. And, and honestly, we know Roman can wrestle this type of match. He's done it before against several different opponents. Um, especially when it's environmental type of situations going on, uh, you know, that are involved as far as like having to use what's around you, uh, everything else around you is a weapon, uh, throwing people into barricades, freaking all this stuff. You know what I mean? So we've seen Roman wrestle this, this little bit more aggressive style before, um, Eric Rowan, you know, again, this was another coming out party for him. He looked like a million bucks. And just when you thought that Roman was getting ready to crank off a, uh, probably the, 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 the farthest, <laughs> if he would have connected, probably the, the, the longest running, uh, uh, spear in, uh, wrestling history out of nowhere, we get the return. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of Luke Harper. Couldn't be more happier. I remember just watching him thinking, Huh, Eric Rowan just grew hair because it looked they look the same like they had the same like cut off black tee with the same kind of like dark camouflage looking pants. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And I, as soon as he turns around and starts nodding, I, I went crazy. I was like, man, this is good to see you, Brody. Like, I mean, and, and trust me, dude, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have personally chose to inject Harper into the Eric Rowan storyline because it seems like a cinch. It seems like the easiest thing to do because they, they, most of the careers, they followed each other, you know. But I can't lie. I'm happy that they got something from my boy. He's been sitting at home waiting for something. He's been wanting something. They've been telling him they have nothing for him. Now they do. You can't get mad. Once you get the call, you got to go, and this is what it is, man. And, and to be honest, I think the best part about it is the fact that I've been reading they did so much of a great job to keep his uh, surprise or his appearance as a prize, a lot of people didn't even know he wasn't on any production sheets. He wasn't on any list that people can, uh, you know, would uh, uh, expect to see him, you know, appear. Oh, he's supposed to be here. He's checked in. None of that, you know. Um, and the fact that no one knew that he was there until literally five minutes when he walked into Gorilla and he, he made his appearance known. That was great. That's awesome. That's how you do that shit, man. Um, that, I mean, because that was one of the things I was seeing the praises for AEW is that, you know, they're real tight lipped. Uh, about their business and any type of surprises. There's a lot of rumors, but, you know, you don't have, like, a bunch of insiders like like you have, you know, with WWE and stuff like that. Because even the insiders were saying, yeah, I was fooled because my people told me that they weren't on any production list, any type of check-in list, none of that stuff. So kudos to WWE. You guys did it right. And shout-out to Luke Harper, man. I hope it's not a one-off. I definitely want to see where this goes. Uh, we did see you on Tuesday. Again, more on that after the break, but as we finally get to our last match here, we have Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman Universal Championship match. Look, I went for Seth Rollins just because of the fact that, logically, you got a guy who's beaten Brock twice, 
going up against a guy who's much bigger in stature but couldn't beat Brock and actually lost to Brock twice. So if the guy that lost to Brock twice would have beaten the guy that beaten Brock twice, I would have lost my shit. It didn't make sense. I mean, granted, the guy is, you know, look, you could lose against a guy like Brock Lesnar looking the way like Braun Strowman does and then beat a guy the size of Seth Rollins. I get it. That That is the logic, right? But just in terms of wins and losses, it's like, come on, man. You're, now you're making it seem like this isn't mean. I mean, and, and we know that the 50-50 booking has been killing wins and losses for a while. But when it comes to the Universal Championship, and, and I mean, you know what I mean? People pay attention to that shit, and they're not going to, like, you know, turn a blind eye to that kind of stuff. So, but uh, we did get Seth Rollins uh, winning this match. We did see the return of the pedigree, which I honestly was calling that maybe you should start bringing that back because I know he's been doing the, uh, the curb stomp for a while. Um, but yeah, we saw the return of the pedigree. I think it was like, what, a result of three curb stomps, uh, and a pedigree that helped put away uh, Braun Strowman. But of course I got to get into what everyone wants me to talk about. That is the fiend has, <laughs> has appeared and, and has made himself known. He made sure he wanted, uh, you know, Seth to know that, Hey, now that you won that title, I got my eyes on you and that thing right there. That little bad B you got next to you riding with you. I want that B <laughs> pretty much, man. Um, it was awesome to see him, uh, get, uh, you know, the mandible claw as well as the sister Abigail. And again, man, I'm, I'm really just impressed with the way that WWE is handling the, uh, the appearance and like just the booking overall of, uh, of Bray Wyatt and the fiend character, man, because it's special. It really is, man. It's, it's really, really special. And, um, you know, just, you don't want to do too much of a, of a good thing because then it, it gets, you want people to miss him, you know what I mean? You want people, you, you want to do a little bit here, sprinkle a little bit there, and then I mean, but this was awesome. I thought we weren't gonna get anything. I, again, I thought, you know, the whole oh Bray Wyatt's gonna you know fight who, the winner between uh, Seth Rollins and uh, Braun Strowman at Hell. I thought that was just a media goof. They've done it, you know. People have gotten emails before, uh, you know, whatever next pay per view is popping up in your hometown, they'll send a uh, an early you know email telling you what the matches are gonna be before. You know, whatever uh, pending pay-per-view is, like, <laughs> going on at the time that's, you know, pretty much giving away some of the uh, some some of the finishes and stuff like that. So, we've seen it before. Um, and then, but the fact that Bray decided to address it on, you know, one of his recent episodes of Firefly Funhouse, I thought, it, I, I thought he was just trolling. I thought he was just messing around, you know. But he made it known that he ain't messing around. He wants the championship. And I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at Hell in a Cell. Um, again, what a way to go off the air as far as a pay-per-view. That's how you get people, you know, talking the next night and wanting to watch on Monday Night Raw to see what the hell's up. But, um, yeah, man, again, 9 out of 11 ain't bad. Mo2 Podcast, holler at me for my number one contendership uh, uh, predictions match. I will be expecting some sort of thank you, uh, all the AEW and Jericho, and uh, I will be celebrating with a little bit of the, of the bubbly. Uh, here on the Quincy Jones Show. But uh, before that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with uh, some of the programming going in to this week, uh, which includes NXT's first hour on USA. All that and more when we come back. Peace. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Quincy Jones. Go from the Quincy Jones Show podcast, and I'm here. I am here to interrupt this week's How to Get Over segment by giving you guys a little bit of information. Now, we've been doing the How to Get Over segment all of 2019, and you guys freaking 
love it. You guys dig it, and we love doing it. We love thinking of guys that aren't doing nothing or maybe guys that are uh, being presented wrong, people that may not even be on TV. We love taking those guys and shining them up, putting a little bit of polish on it, and coming up with a lot of different potential possibilities on how to get them over. But now we're trying to challenge ourselves. Now we're putting out the challenge to you guys, the listeners, the supporters of The Quincy Jones Show. If you guys have someone in mind that you would like for us to help get over don't be afraid to hit us up, Show at gmail.com right now, or feel free to send us a message, DM us. It's The Quincy Jones Show on Facebook and Instagram, and just Quincy Jones Show on Twitter. Hit us up right now, but here's the catch. We're trying to challenge ourselves on the show to not only just get somebody over, but we're trying to get them over between now and WrestleMania. So, again, if there's someone you think that has either been plagued by bad booking, plagued by by injuries, maybe someone that's not even shown on TV, maybe someone that's not even on the main roster yet, if you have an idea of somebody that you think can have a WrestleMania moment, we're here to get them there. So, again... How to get over. We love your suggestions. Hit us up, the Quincy Jones Show at gmail.com. Hit us up, Quincy Jones Show on Twitter, the Quincy Jones Show on Facebook and Instagram right now, and we're going to get them boys over. Or girls, it's up to you. Go. Welcome to the Quincy Jones Show, featuring the best damn commentary team on the planet Quincy Jones and Doc Lesnar. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? Yo, yo, yo. We are back from the break, and now let's get into it, man. Uh, We had Raw, SmackDown, and NXT live on USA for the first time this week. And I'm not going to dive into everything. Um, There was, you know, for one, there was some stuff on Raw that I wasn't too much a fan of, but that's not the stuff I'm going to bring up. Same with with SmackDown. I'm only going to bring up the stuff worth talking about. And um, let's get into it, man. Raw, uh, first of all, kudos to the, you know, Bray Wyatt. The Fiend, if you will, um, had quite a few segments with him uh, on this uh, Raw, and I don't know, it was interesting. Um, you know, before the break, I had said that it was like, you know, less is more as far as like the uh, Bray Wyatt character itself. So it, was, it, it did kind of throw me that there was uh, quite a few segments with him in it. I mean, it was awesome to see him start the show. It was awesome to see the other uh, segments where, you know, he was putting the, the pictures of... Uh, all of his fallen victims on the wall, calling them his friends, you know, with the freaking red eyes, uh, or their eyes are, you know, with the red X over their eyes and everything. So, you know, again, the uh, the imagery I love, the imagery I love, I just was, you know, in, in me, I was worrying maybe they're doing a little bit too much. Maybe it should have just been maybe, maybe two segments or whatever, but, um, but it's cool. You know, it's, it's, that's totally fine. Uh, again, I, I wasn't mad. Uh, at Bray Wyatt being on Raw, there's some times where Bray Wyatt doesn't even show up, you know what I mean? So, um, and, then, and then you get a whole bunch of people wondering, oh, where the hell is my Firefly Funhouse? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, other things to note is we <laughs> also got a surprise. Uh, well, I mean, they didn't really call him by name until at the end when he made the, uh, the wardrobe change, so to speak. But we saw our uh, truth current 24-7 champion uh, with Carmella taking a uh, tour, I believe, at the University of Tennessee with none other than Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, a.k.a. the devil's favorite demon, Kane. And it was cool to see him, to be honest. The crowd loved it. Um, they definitely, I don't know, it's, it's so funny because it's like, 
Kane has humanized himself much more than he ever has now than he, you know in his career before but the crowd loves him man they they have a connection to him and it's one of those things where it's awesome because you've never heard a bad thing said about him when it comes to like his peers and all the other uh you know wrestlers and performers that he's worked with before in the past so everyone's been real complimentary of, of uh how professional he is and just just you know his overall you know just, just his personality and, and who he is but uh yeah we uh got a feature from uh kane aka the mayor of knoxville as he was able to uh trick one our truth and uh won the 24 7 championship <laughs> the crowd was uh definitely into it i was wondering why they didn't have him give out any uh any uh do any spots uh you know as glenn you know jacobs uh maybe because they want to protect you know his image uh, as far as like public image and stuff like that but i would have to think that everyone that voted for kane in knoxville already knew that he was kane right i mean there was a few press conferences and a few uh uh i think the base that he did where he would <laughs> he would show up and with the music uh, i believe he choke slammed somebody during one of his uh you know one of his uh assembly meetings or whatever it was um, but yeah, I mean, so we, we've seen this side of Glenn Jacobs before, so I was wondering why they only had, I mean, R-Truth played it perfect, ran right into the, the football post, fell on his ass, one, two, three, you know what I mean? So that, that, that was cool. Um, and then, you know, we also got the, uh, appearance of Kane later in the show, which then prompted the appearance of, uh, the Fiend character as well, man. So that, I was not mad at, I was not mad at it at all. Um, it was just kind of, uh, weird that there was just so much, you know, this melee that happened, um, at the end, you know what I mean? It was, uh, Robert Roode versus, uh, uh, you know, Universal Champion Seth Rollins. Pretty good match. I didn't think that they would ever, like, you know, lock, lock up, but it was pretty cool to see them, you know, two guys from two different companies, uh, before making it to the WWE, and then, you know, they get a chance to actually, like, wrestle each other. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, then we had the big melee at the end, and then to which Kane's music hits, and he makes the save, which, it was kind of weird for me that he would make the save for a guy like Seth Rollins when, you know, they spent most of their, you know, the, the latter part of their careers, like, attacking each other as part of, like, the authority and getting at each other tit for tat and all that stuff, so. But I digress. Such is life. <laughs> but uh, wrestling is weird. But we love it. Um, but, yeah, so it was cool. You know, we got the cane spot at the end, but then the Fiend shows up. And I thought it was Gene. Because as soon as I saw Glenn Jacobs make the switch to Kane, and he comes out, and I see him, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, the Fiend's going to get him. And the, my whole thought process was he's technically a legend. He hasn't retired yet, but he's not active. And we haven't seen him in so long. This is the first time we've seen Kane. Not to mention, ding, 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 who was Bray Wyatt's very first opponent on the main roster? You got it, Kane. Not to mention they had a, a match at Bray Wyatt's first pay-per-view, Inferno match against who? Kane. I'm just saying it makes sense. So as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's the Fiend's coming. And I was not right, but it was just so genius the way that they had him come in with the timing, man. Just right when Kane goes for the, the patented pyro, then you just see the lights turn off. Which is, it, it's cool because for a guy like Kane, he's like, okay, the lights always go off. You know what I mean? Like, he, you see that he's not bothered, but he knows something's up. I thought it was just, a, it was a genius move against a guy, you know, to, to pull the Fiend uh, appearance and the way that they, they do the appearance for the Fiend on a character like Kane, I thought it was cool. I thought it was genius. Kane gets taken out, and then we get him terrorizing the shit out of Seth Rollins in the corner. <laughs> and then we got uh, plenty of people complaining 
though I, I'm in the minority of people that actually w- was digging it. We had like this distorted like Firefly Funhouse intro and like theme song on loop, and it was just freaky and just creepy, and and I I dug it. I dig it. I mean, look, you can't blame WWE for wanting to, you know, take the leap and try to do something like that. I mean, because, look, look we're, we're getting right smack dab in the middle of Halloween month, uh, you know, in October coming up soon. Not even, what, two, three weeks away. And, and of course, you know, Hell in a Cell, they purposely placed a pay-per-view in October for that very reason. So, you know, not a bad way to go. Not a bad way to go at all but let me talk about some other things on raw man before i get into all the great things on smackdown again sasha banks versus becky lynch hell in a cell match at hell in a cell has been scheduled so definitely looking forward to that we also had the return of rusev now let let me get back to, to the luke harper stuff right um you know there's people who we want to see on tv they don't have any quote unquote have anything for on tv and creative and all that stuff um, and then, you know, with Luke Harper, I said he got the call, didn't matter what he was doing. I wouldn't have put him, you know, I wouldn't have injected him into the Eric Rowan situation, but he wanted something. They didn't have anything. Now they do. They gave him the call. He answered the call. So, like, I can't sit up here and say that and not have the same attitude towards Rusev, but I just get sick of the fact that they always got to stick Rusev in these storylines that involve like romance and relationships and this Jerry Springer-esque shit. I mean, it was already bad enough when he was, you know, doing the whole thing with Summer Rae and Dolph Ziggler and Lana. And it's just, you know what I mean? So it's just really weird that they're going to uh, choose to implement Rusev in this Maria Kanellis and Mike Kanellis ongoing saga with the pregnancy and who's the father and who's not the father and you're not a man and you're not a real husband, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, it's funny because I was thinking, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, man, they really dropped that thing. I, don't, I guess they're not going to be doing the canal store anymore. And then boom, gender reveal party, uh, street profits doing what they do. They're great at what they do. I want to see them in the ring though. We need to see them in the ring ASAP. Um, we know they're, they're great on the mic. We know they're great personalities. They, they killed it with Booker T on at class of champions. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, so we had uh, Street Profits presenting the gender reveal party. Maria comes in, announces she's having a boy. Mike is ecstatic, but then she's basically telling him, uh, you know that uh, you're not the dad. Yeah, the dad is Ricochet, and Ricochet's like, whoa, what the f-? You know what I mean? I didn't expect her to say Ricochet. This led to Ricochet and Mike Canellis having a match, uh, to which Ricochet won. And then Maria comes out and even says, you dummy. Of course, he's not the uh, the, 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 the dad. You are, but I wanted you to actually prove to me that you were actually worthy of being this child's father. Yada, yada, all that stuff. You know what I mean? All the, those hits below the belt. And then she goes on to say that this is actually the real father of the child. And and to Rusev and Pornstash. And the thing is, it's like looking real good, real lean, and, and just real, you know, muscly. Got got that got that, that swag on. But it's just really weird, man, because, I, again, everybody knows that he's married to Lana. And, and, and kayfabe. And, you know, shoot for life, like for real, in real life. You know, I mean, it's like, so for them to be like, oh, okay, so Rusev is committing adultery or having a, a an actual, you know, affair in front of like, you know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense. You know, same with Maria. It's like, you know, Maria's, so you're saying that you had an affair and you don't care about saying this and projecting this in front of, you know, this is a weekly show. This is a weekly episodic televised show. So it's like, you guys are airing out a whole lot. 
Um, and I, I get it. It's all supposed to be fake and creative, but it's just – there's much more to Rusev, man, than just, hey, put me here as the, the, the leading guy for this uh, relationship triangle type of creative angle. I don't know. Uh, again – there was a, I believe, a uh, a post match uh, or post show interview with Rusev on the matter. I believe it was on the WWE.com uh, YouTube page, but he actually was pretty quiet about his reaction towards everything. So, leads me to believe that there may be another twist in the story. Who knows, man? We'll, we'll have to wait and find out. I mean, either way, I'm excited that Rusev is back. Just not excited for what he's back for. I just hope there's much more, and there's much more beyond the scope. You know, as far as you know. The trajectory of where they want to see him, or where where they see him going now that he's back on the on the, on the active roster. But um, after that, I won't say after that. But as far as uh, importance, man, we also got the return of AOP via a promo video. I dug this man. Had two guys decked out in suits, um, talking in their native language with subtitles, uh, explaining that you guys haven't seen us in the ring because people don't want to wrestle us because they say we hurt them in the ring. I thought that was actually pretty legit. I haven't heard, uh, you know, reports of that from the past, but with so many reports in the past from different people about different people, not a bad way to go creatively, you know what I mean? Especially when you got these two huge behemoths, it's like, okay, I haven't heard this story before, but if that's what they're saying, I'm not, you know, I can believe it, I can get behind it, um, 100%. Uh, But it also led me to believe, I'm like, okay, if they can do, you know, videos and, and vignettes and promos with these two, in uh, Akam and Razor, speaking their native tongue with subtitles, that I don't understand why they can't do the same for, say, like the Kabuki Warriors. You know what I mean? Um, or just Asuka, or, you know, just Kairi saying, you know, solo. I mean, uh, that's been one of the things that we've heard, you know, heard in the past that has, like, kind of uh, sidelined them as far as their progression going up, uh, as far as the Kabuki Warriors, is their inability to be able to communicate effectively with the English-speaking crowd. And, uh, you know, I don't agree with it at all. Not, you know, not at all. I mean, because, again, you had uh, so many women from all over the globe, as well as men, too, in the in the, in the CWC, but uh, with the Mae Young Classic, where, you know, you, you're looking at the coverage and the bracketology breakdown of everybody, and people are speaking their native tongue, and they have subtitles, you know? So it's not like they haven't done it before. I, I just... You know, it was just real interesting. But, you know, either way, glad to see that AOP are back. I did hear a couple weeks ago they were supposed to be part of that tag team turmoil match uh, in which uh, Bobby Roode and uh, Dolph Ziggler won. But they're actually the team that replaced them. Bobby uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler uh, were the team that ended up replacing AOP in that in that uh, turn or that match. So uh, interesting enough to see that two weeks later we get to see AOP on TV. Hoping this is a call for uh, bigger and better things for him, and maybe this will be a uh, uh, a change in attire or something. Who knows? Um, you know, it seems like they're still the authors of pain, but it could be a totally different uh, gimmick. We'll see what's up. Um, but last but not least, on that list of Raw, we also have the new King of the Ring, Baron Corbin. I think we all kind of knew this was coming, but, you know, no surprise in the fact that him and Chad Gable actually had a really good uh, back-and-forth match. Um a lot of people were getting behind Gable. And, you know, it's funny. I, I joked at first about a, a Kurt Angle-esque push, you know what I mean, uh, for uh, Chad Gable. But then I'd even do the math of the fact that, you know, he actually ended up going against Shane um, to make it to the finals anyways uh, on that SmackDown before uh, Class of Champions. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of ironic, you know, for those that aren't getting it, uh, Kurt Angle and 
Shane McMahon, King of the Ring 98, do your, do your homework, kids. But, um, yeah, so we have a new king. Uh, and, honestly, Baron Corbin is more fitting. It's way more fitting as the King of the Ring uh, than Chad Gable. I mean, I don't think wearing a, a crown and having the scepter and, you know, all that stuff, that, I don't think that's kind of look it's made for a face. I think that kind of brings you more heat more than anything. You know what I mean? Um, like, if you were to walk down the street and you saw a guy – in, in, in an extravagant king's robe, crown, and scepter walking around thinking he could, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking he, he, he can boss you around, you're going to hate that guy. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're just like, you're off the rip. You're like, who the fuck is this? Who's this pretentious asshole? You know what I mean? So, uh, but moving on to SmackDown Live, man. Uh, man, the, the, and these, again, this is all shorthand because these are the things that, I, I, that jumped out at me the most. Brock Lesnar is back. Brock Lesnar is not only back, but he has returned to the blue brand. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, this draft that's going to be imminent once uh, Fox makes the move. Or, I'm sorry, SmackDown makes the move to Fox. Um, I don't, you know, Brock Lesnar has always been one of the names in those uh, those drafts, but he's always been a raw guy. He's never really been on SmackDown. Um, but now, he's on SmackDown, I, I'm, I'm guessing. You know, um, you know, the, the announcers made it a point to say, yeah, no more wild card rule. I'm like... When has the wild card rule been in effect, bro? Like, no, no one's even walking out and saying it anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, oh no, I just showed up. I just showed up. I, I figured y'all had something for me, so I just showed up. But uh, yeah, man, um, Brock Lesnar is back, and he has challenged the current WWE champion Kofi Kingston to a match on the first SmackDown, uh, uh you know, at Fox, which is I believe is going to be at Staples Center, uh, October fourth. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, Pretty interesting to see. I mean, a lot of people are thinking that this is a move on Fox's part to want Brock as their champion on their uh, weekly episodic show. But then one would think that, okay, if that's if this is a Fox power move, then Fox need to come up with that money or the uh, negotiation skills to make sure that Brock is actually showing up every week. That's how. That's just how I feel. If I mean, if this is just something to help solidify Kofi Kingston as champion. I mean, I don't think he necessarily needs to beat uh, Brock Lesnar. Go, I mean, we were just talking about how it would, you know, the the his reign, you know, in whole would come full circle with this defeat against Randy Orton, and I agree. Um, even though I wanted Randy to win, I had to agree that yeah, if Kofi could beat Randy Orton, this solidifies everything and put, brings it full circle. He did, but now you got Brock standing in his way, and it's like. Yeah, if I did beat Brock, I you know I could say a lot. I mean, look at look at Seth Rollins. You know what I mean? Look at Roman Reigns. Um, though the last time these two were in the ring together, I believe it was the the Japan special that they had, and Brock Lesnar completely obliterated Kofi Kingston uh, with several German suplexes that made you think that his head was taken off. Um, so I don't know, man. Uh, uh, a lot of people are already looking at this as a foregone conclusion that Brock is going to be champion now. Uh, some people were saying, yeah, but what if Kofi wins? And I think that's the intrigue that sells it. That's, that's how you get people to tune in and watch for the first show. But, you know, to me personally, I believe that Brock may not win, and they're just bringing him in for star power. I mean, Stone Cold has already been confirmed because I believe, it's, I forgot, it's uh, the anniversary of SmackDown for this episode as well. So several big names will be in the house. I believe Trish Stratus is going to be there as well. Um, the Rock is a maybe. I mean, and that's not confirmed, but I'm thinking, hey, SmackDown came right from uh, one of his catchphrases. It's the anniversary, and they're moving to Fox, and they're in L.A. Who lives in L.A. or who works a lot out of L.A. now to be The Rock? Obviously, he's in the movies, so it's possible. 
Very, very possible. I could even say maybe John Cena might show up. Very possible as well. But I think Brock maybe just – I don't know if he's going to stay on, on SmackDown, but, I mean, there's also been talks that, oh, SmackDown, now that with the move to Fox, they're going to be the new A show. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to feed into all that stuff. But it, me personally, I believe this may be a little one-off. Um, Brock's going to come in. I don't know if he's going to do the job for Kofi. I think there's going to be a little bit of shenanigans um, leading up into everything. But, yeah, I think this is more or less just a, a marketing plan to get people to tune in uh, once they hit Fox. You know what I mean? That first episode, obviously, viewership is so key. Um, but also moving on for SmackDown, we also had uh, – and this was crazy. Ric Flair made an appearance. He was backstage, and you saw him – uh, pretty much talking with, uh, you know, they did that thing where they, they're talking, but you don't hear anything they're saying um, as they're about to go to commercial. But he appeared out of nowhere in uh, the locker room with Charlotte Flair. And obviously surprising because of the pending lawsuit or impending lawsuit. What, I mean, I, I don't know what, what's in progress or what was just said in jest. But, uh, you know, obviously there's the, the whole lawsuit going on with uh, alleged you know, Ric Flair trying to get credit and get paid for the man uh, nickname in Becky Lynch. Um, you know, that old nutshell. But so it was surprising to see Rick was there. He was on TV, um, especially following that TMZ <laughs> shit that he did. He seemed like he was real serious about trying to get that money. Uh, but then even more weirder, when we come back, we had Offset from Migos. Uh, that's a hip hop group for those who don't who don't listen to rap. Uh they're the ones that made that that Ric Flair drip song. Might sound familiar, but uh, I it was you know then you got Offset in one of Ric Flair's uh, robes. He is introducing Charlotte to the ring. It was I'll, I'll be like this as a hip hop fan and a wrestling fan. It was kind of cool to see. Um, and you know I don't want to sit up here and call them hip hop. They're more rap and trap. But uh, for those that are purists and they're gonna get pissed off at me once I call them hip hop. Uh, but I. Kind of expected him to wrap uh, Ric Flair out to the ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, so I guess Offset's here to announce Charlotte Flair. Okay. And then that was the end of that. That was the end of that. And and, and <laughs> that was it. But I have to say, it was good to see Ric Flair, man. Um, just, again, weird circumstances, considering that uh, he wants the money right now. So, um, and, uh, you know, last but not least, uh, on SmackDown, you know, I don't ever say that I hate when I'm right, because I love when I'm right. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was 100% on the nose, but they definitely used my idea as a narrative. Shane McMahon is being sued by Kevin Owens, and I'm so glad that they brought attention finally to the fact that Shane McMahon put hands on an official before he fired him. Um, and said that he wasn't even fined, which I was glad that they finally made a point of that on TV. Now we're, uh, or, you know, we, we get to this $25 million lawsuit, Kevin Owens, uh, I think it's wrongful termination lawsuit that Kevin Owens has filed against Shane McMahon. The only thing here was they kind of botched, uh, they kind of botched the, uh, the promo because, you know, Kevin Owens is fired up and he's talking, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but then he says, so when I win, you know, you're never going to be here again or whatever. He says something about when I win. But there was never a talk about, like, wait, when what? You know what I mean? There was never talk of a match. There was no uh, – he never, like, talked about it. And, again, it could have been one of those things where you, you see after he makes that remark and he's fired up, he goes back to the crowd. You see Shane frantically looking over this 
this uh you know the lawsuit papers and everything that he was just served he said he only saw the first you know he only read the first page so that that's what he was basing it off of so if there's some sort of thing where like okay he just glanced it over didn't care was trying to embarrass him and then realizes there's more to it than just this 25 million dollars there's like a match that's included as a clause and you know what's his name uh kevin owens had mentioned some sort of clause that he's not you know privy to that's in there that he needs to, to read and in that uh the uh the 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 lawsuit and everything so uh again you know one could uh only imagine that there's going to be some sort of match set up where if kevin owens wins he wins his job back and if he wins his job back then that would ultimately mean that shane mcmahon loses his job seen it before hasn't been done in a while so i'm not mad at it i'm not mad at it i just i guess for me wish that kevin they had more stuff for kevin other than just going against the authority right now um I just want to, you know, I, I mean, I think he's he's being used really good, but I don't know. It just it bothers me that he's doing so much against Shane, who is a semi-active wrestler, as opposed to going up against some of these guys for like some some title gold and all this. You know what I mean? I mean, him versus Kofi again, I wouldn't mind. Uh, that would mean one of them would have to be a heel, unless it's gonna be face versus face. But anyways, you know. We did get that uh, little ordeal, uh, so we'll have to wait to see how that plays out by next week or the next coming weeks. Again, I mean, I'm glad that the WWE finally listened to my idea, and we're uh, finally able to uh, confront Shane McMahon with the fact that he is the pot calling calling the kettle black. Um, now, last but not least, NXT on USA. Uh, there were two hours separated. Uh, the first hour was on USA, and then the next hour, the second hour, was on uh, the WWE Network. Uh, let me just say that I, this to me did not feel like, uh, they put any extras on it. Uh, like they weren't trying too hard. It didn't feel like they were, uh, over, overcompensating, you know, it felt like a, a, a regular NXT show. It really did. And honestly, that's the best thing they could have done. The only difference to me was the live intro that Triple H did, which I thought was awesome. You know, walk right out to the and greeted the uh, the the full cell crowd. I thought that was great. The full cell crowd was great. They started off with the fatal four way match. Kudos, freaking kudos to Candice LeRae finally getting her name up on the board. I've been sitting up here bitching about it for months. Candice LeRae finally gets a chance at the women's championship in NXT against Shayna Baszler. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they uh, they reported it's going to be going down in two weeks, but I'm just I'm finally happy. She. I mean, again. I was just more or less like, girl, if you don't get your head, you know, out of Io Shirai's ass and look at the bigger picture, you got a chance at a championship, girl. You need, who cares about Io Shirai? Y'all, y'all don't. I mean, half the reason y'all wrestling is because of fighting each other right now is because of Shayna. You need to be kicking her ass. You know what I mean? So, kudos to that, and glad they finally pulled the trigger. To be honest, any one of these women could have won. I wouldn't have been mad. Um, Except for goddamn Mia Lim. <laughs> Mia Yim. Look, I ain't got no beef with Mia Yim. She actually, I'm, this match was great. This Fatal 4 match was, I mean, I'm glad that they opened up with this match. It was top to bottom. It showed what their women's division is, you know, capable of. And kind of dangerous uh, because they, just these four alone um, are doing some pretty good stuff. Um, and, you, I mean, it's kind of hard not to compare them to, you know, the, the four horsewomen uh, over in uh, on the main roster. So, um, but, yeah, man. Um after that, we got the return of Leo Rush. And, I, again, another guy I was just talking about. Uh, he, he put out a few, uh, you know, singles. He's been working on his hip-hop career. 
And then out of nowhere, like a phoenix, out the ashes, has a number one contenders match for the 205 Live Cruiserweight Championship against a guy who's been actively wrestling on 205 Live as well as NXT, but, you know, been a, a, a well-represented uh, Bostonian, as uh, Mauro Ranallo would call him, uh, Oni Larkin. And, you know, they kept saying how Oni, Oni Larkin was, like, pretty much disgusted with the fact that, you know, why uh, Leo Rush was able to get an opportunity just like that. But, I mean, dude, he was running 205 Live for a while, and then, you know, under you know, circumstances, outside circumstances, he disappeared. And, but now, I mean, he's back and I mean, I'm glad to see him back as he's won, uh, finally won, uh, opportunity at the cruiserweight championship. So definitely looking forward to that in the future again, and also looking forward to see how they balance, uh, all the new uh, talent coming in from two Oh five live. Um, we also got the appearance of Imperium. Um, I'm not too sure, the, the reason for this move here, um, I mean, they obviously, I'm thinking they're going to use NXT now that there's more of an audience in that second hour uh, pushing people from live TV to check out the network. They're going to have more eyes on NXT as a whole. So now they're thinking, hey, we can do some cross-promotion with the NXT brand, put a little bit of the UK guys on there so they can go watch the UK as well. But we had Imperium. They made their uh, their statement made. And then Kushida came out and took all of them on uh escape with his life but i guess they're gonna have a he's he's challenging walter to a one-on-one match man at some point so i mean you look at a guy like kushida you look at a guy like walter it's like okay i i see what's going on here you know what i mean so uh but definitely looking forward to that uh we did also get the announcement that it's going to be keith lee versus uh uh again uh, except going to be in the first hour on USA. That's going to be amazing, especially the fact that they're going to be doing it live. You know it's going to be bananas. Anytime those guys uh, freaking lock up, it's always bananas, man. Um, and I'm trying to think last but least, man. Uh, oh, oh, how can I forget this? The prophecy has been fulfilled. Roderick Strong has won the North American Championship. Undisputed is draped and dipped in gold. Baby, I could not have been more happier <laughs> with this NXT episode. There was a few guys I was surprised that they, you know, decided to showcase, uh, you know, in, in comparison to others that I thought, you know, should have got that spot as far as, you know, showing out that first episode. But, man, first of all, this match was awesome. I thought for sure Roddy was going to lose after the uh, the first end of heartache and, and it, you know, it, it led to a, a kick out. I was like, oh, shit, though, that's it. That, that was it. That was the false finish. That was done. But no. <laughs> but no, the future is undisputed, and so is the championships around their ways. New North American champion, Roderick Strong, finally, the, 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 the missing piece in the prophecy has been fulfilled. It's all good, man. I, and it's, oh, man, it's, it, I, I felt good. I was, I was at work watching, and I had a big-ass smile on my face. I mean, you, you could uh, you know, probably attribute that to the fact that it was my last hour of work, so I didn't have a whole lot to do. But the fact that, you know, my, my boy won, and my boy's got the, the prophecy fulfilled, I was like, this is good. This is good. It's a good way to do this. And then, last but not least, we, had a, we ended up in a huge melee, a huge brawl, if you will. Killian Dane taking on the head of the Stallion Battalion, <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, Super Bro, the king of the Super Bros uh, himself, uh, Matt Riddle, in a street fight. And, man, this match has had everybody in it. I mean, it went from being one-on-one 
and they were fighting all over the arena. Then they fought backstage, and then all of a sudden Imperium shows up out of nowhere as they're in the back eating. Then they start attacking uh, Matt Riddle. Then you get the Street Profits who who butt in, and they're trying to help out Matt Riddle, you know, cut down the numbers. And then you see you, you see Punishment, Punishment Martinez fly out. You see freaking uh, Pete Dunn out of nowhere. You're seeing a whole bunch of guys that are just, like, out of nowhere. And, you know, the, 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 finally, you know, the the, the, the original two – Killian and uh, Matt Riddle, they they finally find their way back towards the ring, only to be followed by this huge combustion of chaos that's you know trailing them, and, and there's several guys that are in their wake just 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 fighting each other. And then all of a sudden you start to see more and more guys from the locker room coming out, and I mean so that was probably my only uh, negative about NXT, and I don't ever really have one, man, is. I did. I wasn't uh, against the melee uh, angle right at the end, but it was what came out a little bit more weird to me, or a little bit convoluted, a little bit too much. Is when you got guys that aren't readily uh, identifiable coming out and just throwing punches. You had a bunch of guys. You couldn't even tell who was who after a while. Some, I mean, he had the, you know, uh, the uh, Forgotten Sons were out there as well. I don't want to forget them, uh, ironically. They were out there throwing punches and haymakers as well. But then you saw a lot of guys in street clothes, you know, uh, ponytails and long hair or whatever. Like, you couldn't tell who these people are. And everyone, you know, all you just keep hearing on commentary is everyone's trying to make their mark and everyone's trying to, you know, and I'm, like, thinking, like, yeah, but, like, there's some guys in there that I'm pretty sure we don't even know who it is. I'm pretty sure, like, there's probably, like, Mansoor there. And, and I mean, he has he's done a few good things, but, you know, I wouldn't – you know, strap a rocket to him just yet. You know what I mean? I mean, there was, I mean, I saw Bronson Reed after a while. Uh, and a, again, I had to, you know, recognize him as one of the fallen guys, one of the fallen bodies, uh, you know, through the melee, you know what I mean? So um, I think it was just a little bit too much. Uh, they could have like dialed it back with three, you know, three fourths the amount of people they had involved originally. But um, I don't know. It's, I don't know what it does. For anyone, I mean, there was supposed to be a street fight between uh, Riddle and Killian Dane to, you know, finally settle that score, but it didn't really do that at all. Um, and then we just had a bunch of random fights of people fighting each other who didn't, you know, have any pre-existing beef beforehand, man. I don't, I don't know. Um, again, just my two cents. But other than that, dude, NXT was great. And, and honestly, I'm, uh, I'm still weirded out about the whole first hour on USA and, for, and next hour on network. I think they should try to... You know, maybe this is just a, a, a trial process before they could, you know, figure out if they can fit both hours or if it's going to be beneficial for USA to have both hours featured on their network. But I honestly hope that they, you know, I, I opt for two hours on USA. Um, some people don't have the network. I understand this is probably what they're going to use to drive people to get the network. But um, I don't know. I just, again, that's just me. That's just me. But uh, yeah, that has been the week in wrestling. Um, I thank you guys again for listening to the Quincy Jones Show podcast. We are available anywhere you would like to get your podcast, but specifically we're on Spotify, iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Podbean, we're on CastBox, and we are on SoundCloud where we originated from. But feel free, wherever you go to download or listen to our show, feel free to recommend us, give us a great rating or a review. Let us know how you're feeling about the show, man. Um, you know, you can also recommend us and our page on Facebook. You can follow us on all social media. That'll be a 
Facebook.com backslash the Quincy Jones Show. That is Quincy Jones Show on Twitter and at the Quincy Jones Show on Instagram. You can also hit us up at the Quincy Jones Show at gmail.com if you're interested in being on the show as a guest, if you're a wrestler, uh, if you're interested in getting your uh, your merch in stores, holler at me. I'm a plug right now. I got, I got some exclusive stuff. Um, if you guys are uh, a promotion looking to book a uh, commentary team or maybe do some commentary work post-match, uh, Hit us up, man. The Quincy Jones Show at gmail.com. You can check out all of our work uh, under Rival Pro Wrestling. If you search on YouTube right now, that is all our golden voices that are doing that work, man. And has done some work for Zealot Pro Wrestling as well. So definitely holler at us if you guys are interested in any type of media, any type of videos done. Again, check out Rival Pro Wrestling. We've done quite a few uh, videos for Rival Pro as well as uh, a few projects for Zealot Pro as well. Um, hit us up, man. Again, you know, hit us up, the Quincy Jones Show at gmail.com. I am your host, Quincy Jones Go. This is episode 69. Top guy out. <laughs> <laughs>